This episode is brought to you by LucidPoint. Are you struggling to take your IT organization to the next level? We help our customers do so with confidence. Turn your vision into reality. Call LucidPoint today. Welcome to the Quick Take Podcast, the show where you get targeted advice and coaching for executives by executives. I'm Susie Tomanchuk. And I'm James Camps. Give us 15 minutes and we'll give you three secrets to address the complex topical issues that are challenging executives like you today. James Caps, we're here again. Hey, here we're we live. are. We're well, live together. To Everybody else uh, is not, not living not together. together. Or nor living together, but we are we are live. <laughs> yeah, we we live together, but we record in separate places, From different rooms. To, it makes it know. so much easier, right? Does, we need our does. space. Yeah. <laughs> so you and I were talking about innovation and uh, just kind of like just the nuances of it and how people talk about it all mm. the time and and what's related to. And I thought you came up with three kind of catchy things about innovation that that I thought it would be good for us to talk about today. So yeah. Well, you know, I think the when, especially as a as a CTO or at that level, you really need to remember uh, that a lot of the things that get people into technology is the actual nerdy tech. But I think the three things to remember are one, you know, every problem is actually a people problem, right? Mm-hmm. And so as we as technologists, let's not forget that. Two, um, uh, you know, during an outage, uh, you got to fix the tech. But you got to go that next step and fix the people part, right? So during an outage, fix the tech first, fix the people second. And then the third item when it comes to innovation, which is, you know, we always have to remember this, that ego is always a key ingredient in innovation. And like, you know, salt and chocolate chip cookies, it can be a good thing and a bad thing. So you have to be thoughtful about that uh, when you think about ego. So let's, let's dig into those. Uh, so I can explain it, but I think that those are three great takeaways when when we when we look at innovation uh, and and try to look at it from a different slice, which is, you know, hey, let's just not the coolest, let's do the coolest thing. You know, there's all these there's another uh, perspective on it. Yeah. All right. Let's so let's start at the top. Let's talk about every problem is a people problem, and really, what do you mean by that first? You know, I I use this phrase all the time. I probably used it on the show a couple of times that a friend of mine is a high school principal and she always says this place would run great if it wasn't for these damn kids. And so the real the reality is, is that everything that we do is every job and every work company we work for by and large is it, it, it's operated by the people. And so when you look at problems, no matter what they are, the people are the common denominator. And we have to remember that. And whether you have a, a, a bug in your code or you have a performance issue with your server, there's a people element to that, whether it's the design of that server or that server farm, the design of that code, the ops team and how they responded to that, uh, you know, was your, was, your, uh, was your call center available? So those problems are all people problems. And I think, to be blunt, my success in, in my role is because I'm really much better at the people part than I am the technology part. I'm not detail-oriented enough to remember and be really good coder, but I get the people part. And so if I'm a nerd with people skills, that is actually uh, more of a uniqueness uh, in the space. And so I think as leaders, if we remember to uh, that you know people are uh, a key element in everything and people are, are you know, every problem is a people problem, uh, we'll, we'll probably get to the core of the issue uh, faster. 
Yeah. So what comes to mind for me is like, how do you identify those people problems? So like when you put, when you have a plan and you have a, a goal for integrating a certain innovation or a technology, mm-hmm. it's like when it gets stalled or when you miss deadlines, you like go to first, what, why is that? What's, what's impeding that success? And then the other piece of it is when you can't make a decision on what is the right innovation moving forward, I wonder how that impedes, is it my idea? Are those things, you know, how is that not moving forward? Well, I think that that's the third item on that list, which is, you know, ego is always part of it. And, and, you know, we've all been there where, uh, you know, somebody isn't willing to invest in the servers or somebody doesn't feel like the, the product needs updated or whatever. And yeah, sure. There's financial issues and risk issues, but there's so many times that people just don't want to have their cheese moved. They're comfortable with uh, the way things are. Um, you know, rarely does uh, a season, a, a new executive come in uh, and be hesitant to change the code because they have some sort of, uh, you know, affinity to it. Um, ego and comfort are always part of, of these uh, innovation questions. And you have to, as a leader, I think it's super important that you allow that to be part of the conversation, but also acknowledge it. You know, you'll find that uh, people who, uh, especially technologists who have put a lot of sweat equity into, you know, a, a piece of software, a system, a solution, a process, they're less likely to want to change that. Um, and that's just a subconscious yeah. bias, I think. Um, there is that investment uh, mentality that uh, we've put so much time and effort into it. Uh, and you need to work through that. And and back to the people part of it is you can't just say you're wrong and, and put a bullet in your code and move on. You need to bring those people along. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that's that's got to be a part of the conversation of, of yes, I acknowledge the fact that, that you did a great job and worked really hard on this, um, uh, but we have to we have to make a decision. And so, always remember that uh, there's egos in play. Yeah, uh, they always aren't on this. You know, not every technologist uh, wears it on their sleeve, but they're there. There's pride. There's ownership. You want people that have pride and ownership and and passion around that. Uh, but at the same time, it can it does and can in, uh, inhibit innovation. Yeah. I, so I'm trying to think like tactically when you get, when you're in the moment and you, uh-huh. I, I think when ego gets involved or, or, or as a leader trying to figure out how to get, get, get people to see it objectively, it's, it's kind of that zooming out yep. because emotions are involved, you know, sure. when ego's involved and you're like frustrated, there's research that shows that emotion impedes our ability yes. to think straight. Yes. So what are right. some of the things that you do to make sure that you get that mm-hmm. objective view and kind of step out of the moment? And then how can you help your people also do that too? You know, especially as a, as a new leader, I think the easiest thing you can do is just simply acknowledge that A, that the, your team did put a lot of work into this and that, and that there is pride in it. One of the things that I found really resonates with folks is, um, you know, oftentimes you'll, you'll open up a, a, a technology, a product, you open up the, the patient and you look inside and you're like, what? This is so dumb. Why would you do that? And what, and obviously it, with, uh, you know, uh, hindsight is 2020, you would never do this. You would never, you know, test on prod or whatever the nerd thing is that they made a mistake doing. But if you take a moment and acknowledge the fact that some genius made that decision five years ago because yeah. of constraints and things you can't possibly appreciate. And if you go and say, look, this thing is a Frankenstein product, but my God, you guys worked so hard on this and managed to do this with $2 and a stick of gum. Yeah. Now that gives them pride, acknowledges the work that they did, and then you can bring them on and say, isn't it time for us to move beyond that? But if you look at it through today's lens, 
of course you're going to be biased. And then what you're doing is you're telling everyone that their baby is ugly. Yeah. And that is, that's a real thing. And so I've found that if I acknowledge the genius that came with those bastardizations, those bad decisions that came with influences and, 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 uh, uh, uh inputs that you can't remember, can't, res- can't understand, uh, or the situations that, well, you just don't remember. Roger was such a bad manager. He made us do it. You bet. That's real. We've all yeah. been there. We've all had to do stupid things with due to kind time constraints, funding constraints, et cetera. Yeah. So that acknowledgement, that uh, uh, respect, I think, of the journey is what allows you to bring people along with you. Yeah. I I, I want to identify a risk because once you're in that kind of mind share, and if it is a long project, it's hard to not, you want to keep the belief going. It, Sure. I guess it depends on the situation. Obviously, I think the goal, you know, ultimately one of the things we, you and I talk about is, you know, where does passion, where does, uh, you know, as a leader, how much uh, emotional engagement should you really have? And do you get caught up in the, in the, in the chaos? And sure, you know, acknowledging that, that, uh, that, that product was built uh, for all the right reasons, even though it's a crappy product, you can succumb to that and say, well, let's just leave it. Uh, but that's your job as a leader is to take those inputs and have an objective point of view and realize that you have a long-term game. Uh, you have to play the long game. Um, and that, that could include eliminating people who have too much passion for their legacy product, which I have done where, you know, my lead developer refused to to throw away the code he wrote in 1975, because you have no idea how much time I put into that, James. Um, yeah. And that's just, uh, that happens. Yeah. Um, but I think our job as executives, as leaders, is to maintain that objective perspective and, and you know, maintain that that gap yeah. uh, between an emotional engagement and emotional awareness. Yeah, there is such a psychology and and not being a coder, or understanding that I mm-hmm. think about it. If I had to apply it to a grocery store scenario, it's like when you get in line and you're in line, it's a long line. And then there's like five people mm-hmm. behind you. And then all of a sudden you realize I was supposed to get barbecue potato chips. You don't want to get out of the line because you've invested time. <laughs> that's right, right. And you're right, in it. Right. There's such a psychology around that. Yes. And so that's that's the layman's way of like wow. that investment. Yeah, you're yes, welcome. yeah. That's good. I mean, I've never heard anybody <laughs> compare software development or technology to grocery stores in that way. But it's exactly right. And I think you people tend to uh, overstate the investment. I think there's an investment bias. Uh, I'm sure some of our uh, listeners will, will be (laughs) sending us uh, uh, tweets about the actual name of this, uh, of this psychology, but it does you, you, you misunderstand and misrepresent the investment made. Uh, And, you know, as a leader, I think it's our job to just eliminate or avoid worrying about those sunk costs. Yes. We spent a billion dollars on that server in 1980. I don't care. It's not yeah. working. If it was a billion or four bucks, the outcome's the same. Yeah. It's not working. <laughs> yeah. And and you have to you have to step away from that uh, and move forward. Yeah, definitely a sunk cost. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about you and I have lived through a lot of outages. Like I think of outages, oh, sure. um, or uh, fixing an issue, and oh, yeah. how that yeah. feels in the moment, especially if there's urgency involved. And so talk about yeah. your second one. The yeah. Repeat it during yeah yeah during an outage or during a during a crisis I think is the best the way I describe it you know yeah. during a crisis solve the crisis but don't forget the people part and I think as a as a guy in the software space you know so often you're running around and you're you, you fix the code 
and then you move on because there's something else. But nine times out of 10, the people are part of that equation. You know, um, we, we had a recent issue where uh, our software did not respond as it should have to a stimulus and input. And it was a billion dollar error. Um, and we fixed the code, so it won't do it again. But the reality was that the users didn't behave like we thought they were going to. Mm-hmm. So it was easy to say the code was broken. But, you know, we also said, hey, uh, we had to go back and go and say, hey, user, don't use the pencil for that. Don't stick that pencil in your eye. That's a bad idea. <laughs> and at the end of the day, the customer was saying, well, make sure our people don't put the pencil in their eye. You know, you can't fix stupid. But the reality is, is there's a technology part of it and there's a people yeah. part of it. Now, that that's more of an operational process. But it's also other things like requirements gathering and how do you gain understanding of the outage and how it occurred? Yeah. How do you make sure that the command center or your call center or your triage group responds correctly? So yes, you can put the fire out, but then you've got to take a step yeah. back and say, how did the fire start? Who's responsible for the fire? Should there be? Should we be playing with matches? And that I think is the the thing that a lot of us forget is that um, when during a crisis that uh, you know you got to address the people element uh, uh, as much as you need to address the uh, the urgency. Yeah, and you know what I love about this conversation is the tie to people and yeah, leadership, yeah. and it, it all comes down to you can't innovate without being really having an EQ that's, that's pretty yes. in tune to yep, what's going yep. on around you. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, you know, there's a lot of uh, anecdotal evidence that, you know, a, a technologist without that kind of people uh, approach can't be successful. I think we have people like Steve Jobs and others who are not those great people, but uh, uh, great people, people. Um, but I think those are the the the, the noisy uh, outliers. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is in the world that we live in, where we're not trying to to you know put a man on the moon we're trying to you know just deploy the next piece of our crm code um that it is a there there's a huge part of this which is a people part and i think at a senior level you and your directs have to remember that the people part is as much uh as part of your innovation strategy as anything else um it isn't just a buzzword it isn't just a a mission Mm -hmm. statement that's looks good on a coffee cup uh you have to make sure that you are looking at the the people part of it um, if you are truly going to innovate. Yeah, love it. Great discussion. I think this was really, uh, yeah, this was a good one. So until next time, I think that that was a good one. All right, thanks, Susie. Take care. That's a wrap. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Quick Take, where we talk about the questions that are on the minds of executives everywhere. Connect with us and share what's on your mind. You can find us on LinkedIn, YouTube, or whatever nerdy place on the internet you find your podcasts. All the links you really need are in the show notes.